Well, Hurricane Doris helped me make my decision. I was going to cancel Sky and Hurricane... I'm going to check this mic again. Sorry. Hurricane Doris. Hurricane Doris. Hurricane Doris. Hurricane Doris. Hurricane Doris. Hurricane Doris. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that levels look fine. It's going to be really weird, isn't it? Because you've got the mic and you're holding the thing and you've got another camera on you. It's like... It's a lot of things. Yeah, man. Huh? Production. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. When do we start? When when is the when is the natural point to start? Uh, I've stopped doing that. Okay. Uh, pre-roll two is basically where we're already going, so you can get started whenever you feel like it and edit afterwards. Welcome to the Movieville.org podcast, episode number forty-four. Yeah. Hey, I'm Kushal. I'm Curran. And uh, we have got a post-Oscars show today. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're still saying yeah, man. <laughs> we got a post-Oscars. Uh, this is going to go to a bad place. Um, <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, welcome. Welcome. How have you been? I've been good. Yeah, man. <laughs> Will you say man? I've been good. Yeah, man. We cancel Sky. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, so why have you cancelled Sky? Uh, We're getting well, straight into it. We're getting straight into it. Yeah. So, Gushal has cancelled Sky. I'm not sure why. Why have you cancelled Sky? Tell us. Because uh, it's shit. Okay. What is it? Hurricane Doris uh, knocked out my Sky dish. It just pointed it at some blank patch of uh, suborbital space where there doesn't seem to be any signal I can receive. So... On a positive note, there is still some space in the sky around us where we can put more objects into Earth orbit, uh, which is nice because I heard there's thousands of things up there. So how are you going to watch everything? On a bad note, I lost all TV and sky and it's very expensive to get it repaired. And no bugger in this town will even return my emails or phone calls because I don't know, they must all be busy or it's just... They're just too chilled out. They're just like, yeah, I'll get the next phone call. This one is fine. Um, I was going to cancel anyway because it's, sh- it's getting a bit shit these days. It's just... <coughs> Sky have their on-demand offering, but it still plays adverts. I'm paying for it. I don't want to watch adverts if I'm paying for it. That's just That's annoying. Silly. Yeah. And everything's still on their schedule and they keep taking things off and it's just... That's not Netflix. No. No. Also, why have I got Sky? What am I watching, really? I mean, I got to the stage where I was watching Elementary and Lion, and that's about it. Everything else is on terrestrial TV or Freeview or whatever. So, so what are you going to do now? I'm going to have to not watch all that shit that DC are making. That's the best bit. Are you going straight to that one? Because <laughs> I'm... I, <coughs> no, I'll come I, back to that. Okay. Uh, we got some. Yeah, no, I, I'm not gonna. I don't need it. Why do I need it? What do I need? What do you watch on Sky? I don't watch Sky. Exactly. I watch Netflix. There you go. There's not much on TV I would watch. To be fair, I think there's a lot of shows that I. Well, let's put it this way. I haven't been watching TV for the last. I want to say seven years. How have you been making this podcast? Through Netflix and the internet. So that's TV, isn't it? You still have to pay license. I'm sure. Yeah, but I'm not as in, okay, when I say TV, I'm talking about channeling BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Three, all that nonsense. Who's four, who's five, who's seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Yep. 
all that. I haven't been, you know, I don't feel out of the loop, but... For Extra. BBC One Extra. Yeah. Radio One Extra. BBC Four. Oh, yeah, it's a comedy channel. Yeah. One Extra is the... Tim Westwood. Oh, God. You're back into that again. What? Tim Westwood? Back into that. Back into what? The only name you know is Tim Westwood, and that's because he's... Black. (laughs) (laughs) What? What? How did... we're, We're like five minutes in. He always sounds black on the radio. Can you save your alt-right shit for later on? We've got loads of stuff you can get into and you can come out with your populist philosophies. You've got a website on the, on the agenda. What, yeah. are, what are you talking about? Come on. That, we're, we've been having issues with our website and we want to start again. Yes. Uh, we put pictures on it. That took so much maintenance just to get pictures on the bloody thing that I decided, okay, we're just going to redo the site. We're going to redo the template. It's going to take a bit longer than I thought, but it's worth, it's going to be worth doing. We're going to redo that template, make it nice, get all our content on it, list it out, um, put some other little gadgets on there and we'll, we'll, we'll make all your dreams real. We're redoing everything. I think we are starting essentially from scratch in terms of our media. So we are at the moment building ourselves up. We're creating videos. Now we have a YouTube channel. Am I building you up? It depends on what way you mean. I mean, you build me up. Oh, you lift me up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have a YouTube channel, um, and we do. What is it? I, do you know? Honestly, I don't know the name. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that I created it, and it didn't ask me to have a, the URL. Is just YouTube.com forward slash channel, and it has a bunch of numbers and digits. I don't wow. know. Are we going to link to it then? Is that how we? Oh yeah, yeah, we'll link to it. Okay, um, we'll link to it through the description of the podcast and on our website and on our Facebook page. Yes, of course. visit our YouTube channel. Once we find it, we will also let you know where it is. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's really strange. How do you even link to it? <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. What you been watching? Let's get to actually stuff we've been doing. Ignore Bob. Um, what have I been watching? Well, if we, st- we we are. We're on the way to finishing Breaking Bad. <clears throat> so I've, this is my second watch through. Mentioned this before, uh, previously. Still good. Still great. Um, we're on season four. We've yeah. just finished season four. Yeah. Um, for those of you who haven't watched Breaking Bad, this isn't a spoiler because it's been on Netflix for the last few years. So if you haven't <laughs> seen it, you are stupid. And this isn't a spoiler. Uh, we're just, we've just finished the season, the season, the last the season finale of episode of season four. Damn it to hell. Um, so it's the one where Gus dies. Spoiler alert. Um, wow. Okay. Have you seen Breaking Bad? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I don't know why I thought you'd watch Breaking Bad. I, I think I've watched the first two or three seasons. Not, I've not seen that. That's. Do you know who Gus is? I think so. Oh shit. Damn it. I know who Saul is. Uh, anyway, so we've seen season four now, we're in season five. Moving on. 
Okay, so I don't have to watch season four now. Um, neither do any of you. <laughs> you watched Legion? No, I believe you have. Yes. What happens in that? Ruin it for me. Come on. <laughs> I don't want to ruin it. I'm not. I'm not one of the, <coughs> one of those people. Um, <laughs> Le- uh, Legion. It's very interesting actually because uh, we've had all the stuff on Netflix by Marvel, all the stuff on Sky. Uh, whatever the hell it comes on by DC. That's a bit, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've just got tired of it. We'll come on to that in a second. Uh, what we haven't heard about, we haven't heard from Fox because it's 20th Century Fox that own the X-Men license. Is that right? Yes. So this seems to be the first thing they've made is their first entry into, let's also go down, use our license, use our asset that we have to make something. And it's a little bit different. It's good. It's cool. Um, I'm not sure how good it is yet, but it's intriguing. It's much deeper. It's Whereas the quality that drips out of all the, the Marvel uh, um, stuff, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and all the wonderful things, and Iron Fist, next Friday, today's Saturday, so literally next Friday, 17th, hopefully before this, straight after this podcast comes out, Iron Fist starts, which is exciting. Um they're very action focused. They're very Disney and they have cool stories. Legion has got gone into, they've decided to focus on a character driven story, which is intriguing together. You look at DC's offerings and you just feel like, why, why would I even waste any more of my time in my life watching these, this ham fisted cheesy drivel. There you go. There's a review. You're different of opinion. You have a different opinion, don't you? I don't disagree with you. Brilliant. Next. Um, <laughs> the, I feel this is the same way I feel about Batman v Superman. Yeah. Um, Which is still a bit rubbish. Absolutely. I agree with you. <laughs> but at the same time, right? We, um, we were given a movie that we've been waiting for for a while, for a long time, for years. What? What do you mean? What? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Batman v Superman, yeah, yeah. Um, and the way they presented it was, you know, initially it's great. It's like, it's like seeing um, a really nice dish, right, as in a meal, right. And then when you bite into it, yeah, you find out that it's moldy, and it's gone off, and it's stale. Yeah. It looks great. Yeah. And some of the content around it might be fantastic, but when you buy into a steak, for example, you find that it's just really old and it doesn't taste nice. A steak? Yeah. That sounds good. Now, I'm not talking about the good aged, I'm talking about the aged when someone's cooked it and it's been in a plate for... It's gone rubbery. Yeah. All right. Sure. Um, rubbery. And that's how Batman v Superman felt. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, everything around it was great. The way they put everything together, introducing the Justice League, cool. Everything that they, the setup was great, but the execution was horrible. Yeah. Same with TV. Yeah. And that's how I feel about the TV shows. Yeah. Um, everything, ar- everything around, we'll use Flash as an example. Flash, the concept of Flash, the TV show is brilliant. 
When it's great, it's probably the best one they got. Yeah, when it's great, it's amazing. Yeah, but when it's not, when it's not great, it's just. Uh, they have probably five or six episodes per season that are fantastic, and everything else just seems like filler and pointless and time wasting. But it's fun to watch because you want to see how they're going to bring this character from the comic book, from the source material, and put them into the TV show or put them into the film. For example, um, I'm going to use Suicide Squad. I didn't expect to see, you know, Flash and Aquaman and all these people in there. But when they put them in there, I was like, Shit, yeah, this is cool. I wonder how they're going to integrate them into the entire story sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think there were some fantastic elements about Batman vs Superman and, you know, the DC shows. But well, you can let me know if they get better. Yeah, um, I'm off. I'm off them now. Yes, them. Sad times for DC. I don't know what they're going to do. <clears throat> I'd rather watch uh, Legion. I mean, they've been renewed. They've all been renewed. Yeah, because season. there is an element of ah, oh, this is part of the problem I have with them. They're just dumbed down things made for. Uh, an assumed dumbass audience and Marvel stuff's not like that. And Legion isn't like that so far. Yeah. Because it's just <sighs> with DC, at least with TV shows, not so much with the film, there's a lot of pandering. Whereas with Marvel, they respect the fact that there is a fan base for these people and they don't feel the need to want to explain it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas DC, well, at least with say, we're talking about TV shows, it has to be explained and it, there has to be a really obvious setup. This is who this person is. Welcome to this universe. Whereas when you look at someone like Daredevil, yeah, people are already aware of the character. The fans are already aware of the character. And then when you start introducing these little characters, Madame Gao, Kingpin, all these people, you already know who they are. As a fan, you know who they are. Yes. But they don't feel the need to want to shove it down no your need. throat there is no need there's yeah. no need. it's this whole thing about american tv yeah there's so much of it it spoon feeds you yeah it just you know it's just frustrating and i thought i've had enough of that i want to try and watch quality tv because life is too short coming uh <sighs> talking of quality tv third delayed episode of rebels was out last week You've watched none of this. I haven't seen it. I want to. I, I want to watch plenty of this. I want to cut. I still haven't seen Clone Wars. I want to watch Clone Wars. Is Rebels the one after it? Uh, Clone Wars takes place during the Clone Wars. It's mm-hmm. basically yeah. between episodes two and three. And then Rebels is after, uh, the, as in, if we're talking about the TV series, does Rebels come after Clone Wars? Rebels series? is between three and Rogue One. So after the Clone Wars series is finished, is Rebels the next one? Is it? Season three? No. Oh. What? So how many series of Clone Wars are there? Six. Okay, so it is. So then they finished that. Then they start Rebels. So, but Rebels takes place after Episode Three. I think you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. Yes. There's no. So in terms of the TV series, they finished TV. Uh, the Clone Wars. Oh, we don't know. They might have. Oh, okay. So maybe Karen still. Yeah. Oh. They could. Because you've got all of that time, all of the Clone Wars. Basically, all of the Clone Wars is Clone Wars. So the last episode of season six, yeah, they didn't finish off where C- where episode three picks up. It's pretty close, but no. Okay, fine. Right, okay. It's pretty close, but no. Rebels. Yeah, it's cool. 
this last one uh, gets very close to the beginning of Rogue One. This last episode. Um, I won't say anything except Mon Mothma is in it. Oh, I saw a screenshot of this. Uh, she's the lady with the wavy dress thing, right? The lady with the wavy dress. Yeah. Uh, the white dress thing. The white dress. She was in Rogue One, wasn't she? She was, yeah. 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 Good. All right. Enough comics and Star Wars. Let's talk about the Oscars. No. All right. What else is there? Oldman Logan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> comics. <laughs> Uh, yeah what do you want to talk about Oscars cool let's talk about Oscars not going to get away from it okay let's get a, let's get our um, prediction out of the way first did you watch the Oscars I didn't watch the Oscars neither did I out of principle same here I don't agree with the prince, uh, the Oscars you don't agree with any of the scores winners um, losers no to say, the Oscars? I, to say I don't agree with the winners is, <clears throat> is different to saying I don't agree with the show itself why what, what? now what because the show itself is We've discussed this before. It's a popularity contest. It's, it's a show. It's, it's not even a... I don't know how much value it holds anymore. Well, let's look at the winners. Let's. And see if we agree. Hey, hey, let's do this. Let's see if we agree with the people that won. Okay. Uh, or, or, and the films. Okay. Um, first, so first of all... <clears throat> um, I mean, the day after the Oscars mm. that I didn't watch and you didn't watch... You sent me an email that said, I feel angry. Yes, I sent you that. Now, considering you didn't watch them, what made you angry? He just said, I feel angry. It was about the conspiracy right, theories. Right, that's right, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't, I don't want to sound cynical, right? But I, I am going to sound cynical. Um... <laughs> The reason I sent you that email, <clears throat> for those of you who haven't seen the Oscars or have no interest in the Oscars, I like don't know, both of us, I don't know why you're listening to the podcast. Um, but the the huge mess up that happened. So to paint you the picture, um, when it came to the best picture <clears throat> um, award, uh, it was uh, Warren Beatty and who's that? The lady, the old lady. Her. Uh, they were presenting the, the award for the best picture and um, they called out La La Land as the best picture everybody from the La La Land cast and crew come up onto the stage and they are accepting an award and then um, the stage manager comes onto the stage and he says no no La La Land isn't the winner Moonlight is the winner to which everyone is shocked and uh, there's gasps and hilarious reactions in the audience. Holds the card up and it says Moonlight. Then Warren, Mr. BT, says, I don't know what I was thinking. The card said La La Land. Yeah, but you can have, is it Faye Dunaway? That, uh, yeah, it could be her, yeah. She was in the background saying, uh, it says Best yeah. Actress. Yeah, and then she disappeared. Not that she sounds like, hey, who did that sound like? An old lady. No. Um, it, <coughs> and so then the cast and crew of Moonlight came up um, and they accepted the award. And to me, this felt like 
it was downplaying Moonlight's moment. So everybody who worked on that film and... Um, so you think they did it on purpose? I think they did it on purpose. And I, I know that's going to sound cynical. And uh, I'd, I'd usually disagree with myself, but I, I, I think... I, uh, I believe. I believe. How much time do you spend disagreeing with yourself? Plenty. Plenty. Of, too much. Too much time. I think they did it on purpose. I feel like it was wow. a... That's quite, a, that's quite an accusation. It is an accusation, and I'm sorry to those. Well, why would they do that? Let's let's just say for a second that they did. Why? Okay. Last year, yeah, there was a whole debacle over how the Oscars had no black people in terms of nominations and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. This year, yeah, is it coincidental that there are plenty of black people winning awards? Well, how do you feel about that? I, that pisses me off because it feels like they're doing it. Is that because of your alt-right tendencies? Yes. On one side, I'm I'm happy that they are getting recognized. But on the other side, I mm-hmm. feel like... Who's they? Black me fucking hell. Got to break him again. <laughs> you gone. I'm in the zone, man. Stop okay. it. All right. So, um, <clears throat> on one side, of, you know, I, I think it's great that black people are getting recognized for their efforts and things. Yes. But on the other side, I feel like, are they only doing this just to compensate for what happened last year? And that's how I feel about who, 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 who's doing that? Uh, the Academy. Okay. Um, and then at the same time, was this a ploy to create an uproar and to create another news piece that can push down all of the real things that are happening, whether it is Trump protests or whether it is everything that's happening in Syria or wherever, all the other bad things are happening. Is it a ploy to create these fluffed up news pieces that we can, you know, further take our attention away from the real problems in the world? I don't know. Is that me being overly cynical? Okay. So, I'm going to say, I don't know um, whether it was or it wasn't um, some kind of weird thing going on there. I, I, I'm going to say, I actually don't care. Even on the day I was like, I don't care because Moonlight won an Oscar. Mm. So yeah, Moonlight won an Oscar, which means Moonlight won an Oscar for best film. And it needs to, it needed to get that Oscar. Um, because even when we talked about this two months ago and we said, who's going to win? What I said was, I think Manchester by the sea might win, but it should be moonlight. So I was over the moon that it was moonlight. I know there was a fuck up or a flub where they keep, keep newspapers keep calling it a flub yeah. or a flub. What the fuck is this? Just, it's a fuck up. Call it a fuck up. Um, <clears throat> yes. <laughs> it, it, it's great. And all these other nominations, if they happened out of some kind of um, academy apology to say, let's just make sure we nominate people. And it was somehow proactive. I still don't care because every it's single a step one in the of right them, direction. Yeah. No, 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 no. Because everything, every single one of them was deserved. Cause I've watched these films now we're going to talk about them yeah and it was all it was all good it was all, it was amazing um and so i feel that at the end of the day the oscars have gone to 
most of the right places with one or two weird exceptions. Um, and if they help to highlight the talent that needs to be highlighted. So I don't know. I don't know how much of a problem it is. Mixed feelings. What was our predictions? So predictions uh, for best picture. We had Moonlight or Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. It was Moonlight. So yes. well done. Uh, best director. We had Arrival, uh, but it was Damien Chazelle for La La Land. Best okay. actor. Casey Affleck. Yep. You got that right? Yep. Best supporting actress. Naomi Harris, we had. Uh, but Viola Davis won. To be fair, I've now seen Fences, which I hadn't seen at the time. And if I had seen it at the time, I would have said Viola Davis. Okay. So I completely agree with that. Yep. Um, best original screenplay. I'll uh, tell you what, said, a slight problem with Viola Davis being best supporting actress. Okay. Don't understand why she wasn't just best actress. Because... We, did we talk about this last episode? We talked about it with Lion. Yeah. So same same reason, I think. But this is bullshit. Is it? So it's like, oh, okay, well, she might not get best actress because she would be... Up against Emma Stone. Up against Emma Stone. So let's put her into best supporting actress. What? Yeah, I don't know about that. That's, that was, that's, that's annoying. Annoyance. Yep. Best original screenplay. We said Moonlight. It was Manchester by the Sea. Uh, okay. Well, it's going to be one of those two. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Best cinematography, Arrival or La La Land? It was La La Land. Yeah, okay. Best editing, Arrival. It was Hacksaw Ridge. Right, okay. So, again, hadn't seen Hacksaw Ridge at that time. Okay. I would have now said Hacksaw Ridge after seeing them. So, okay. yes, we'll talk about that as well. Um, best production design, La La Land. Yes. That one. That. Yep. Best visual effects, we said Jungle Book or Rogue One. It was Jungle Book. Yes. Best animated film, Moana or Zootopia. It was Zootopia. Yeah. And then when we made a prediction for BAFTA for best British film for I, Daniel Blake. Yeah. And that also won. So we did quite well then. Yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, and the ones that we got wrong, I think if we'd had a chance to watch all the things, which yeah. seem to be getting Oscars before they even flipping released. Yeah. Yeah. Then um, I think we would have got those on the mark as well. Yes. Do you agree with them all? Yeah, definitely. Any you don't agree with? Um, the ones I haven't seen. Right, okay. Uh, let's move on then. Moonlight, you watched that now? Yes. So tell me what you think, because I saw um, it a while ago. I need a second watch, but the <clears throat> initial watch that I had was... I thought it was great. Um, it was one of those films that you need to kind of... I need to get my head around, um, because there was a lot of... I felt like there was a lot of abstract stuff in there. Um, but on the surface, it's pretty, it's a pretty straightforward film and the ending. Do you mean, when you say abstract <clears throat> stuff in there, <throat> do you mean, um, I mean, subtext stuff themes from, um, cause it was a, it was a, if you wanted to squash it into a sentence, you would say it was a black gay film. Mm-hmm. Sure. And the, these are, these are uh, themes or concepts that that I know you, you all right people are not comfortable with. <laughs> so, is it, it, how, how did you how did you get your head around this stuff? Yeah, this is going to become a thing where you say it so much that people actually think I am. <laughs> I want to get stoned in the street? <laughs> no, you'll have a massive fan base <laughs> um, of alt right people. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, very important film. 
and I almost felt a connection to it. Why? Um, Why is it an important film? Because this is the kind of stuff that kids are likely going through today. Um, they feel like outcasts. They feel like they're doing something wrong because of the way they've been labeled by other kids. And they grow up thinking that because there are adults that think the same way. Um, when I was growing up, um, I didn't have many friends because I was also bullied during secondary school, which is what is secondary school? Like, sorry, is this your coming out talk? But, <laughs> um, so I, I felt like Chiron did in his teenage years. coming out talk, isn't no, it? No, man, it's not. Okay. In his teenage It's not a problem if it is. It's cool. It's cool. Even if it was, I wouldn't be so saying... So proud I'm, of you that you're doing it on air. <laughs> this is cool. If it was my coming out talk, I wouldn't be doing it on podcast where my wife listens to. <laughs> I, th- I thought that's why you're wearing the lumberjack shirt today. <laughs> I'm so glad we have video for this because you've got proof. Um, cool. All right. Yeah. No, but I, I felt, I felt, um, you know, when he was being bullied, it was, that's the moment I felt a connection with him because I, I know how difficult it is, but I have no idea how it is growing up gay and being bullied for that, for being normal, for being who you are and being ostracized for that. It's a horrific thing to think that kids are growing up, even in this day and age where, you know. So, so that, that's one aspect of it. Hmm. The other aspect of it, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about, I'm glad, so I've, I've, I'm really glad that you said that because yeah. that's, just, that's just, to me, a third mm-hmm. of, of what Moonlight, why Moonlight had to be made, hmm. why it's so good, hmm. And it needs to be watched by everyone. Mm-hmm. What's Wrong to Nathan's podcast called? Who? Rummish oh, um, uh, how hip hop saved my life. Hip hop saved my life. Yeah. Uh, he's about the same age as me. Mm-hmm. And I agree with the sentiment behind his podcast. Same here. I grew up listening to NWA, Chuck D when uh, hip hop was um, in its early prime and it was political and it was... Uh, uh, a, a critique or commentary on society. It was being, it was um, expressing issues in society that no one wanted to talk about. No one wanted to bring into the limelight. People wanted to just pretend that things weren't happening. And if you listen to the lyrics of old, old public enemy tracks, um, I mean, if you listen to Chuck D talk about why they started public enemy and w- what happened there, you get the idea that people weren't listening. People weren't thinking right. And he wanted to express things and found that this was, this music was a medium through which he could express that. And so experiencing similar things back in the eighties, which wasn't great for some people of certain backgrounds. Um, I related to this music and yeah, I agree with Ranganathan's sentiment. Hip hop saved my life very likely in many different ways. But then I stopped listening to hip hop because as it grew up, it's like they forgot where they came from. They forgot the oppression that was happening because people were different. And suddenly there was element elements of um, huge themes of misogyny and homophobia 
coming into this music and I started moving away from it. And that is something that there's this other people that talk about this far more eloquently. This is a problem in some areas of black society, um, both in the UK and America. And it's a subject that's difficult to discuss. And it's, it's, it's overdue for, um, uh, a door being opened and someone exploring this context in that culture. So the fact that Moonlight's made that crosses two boundaries at once and has won an Oscar is a, is a, is a great thing. I guess that makes that award flub more annoying. Yeah. And that's how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, you might be able to articulate this better than I uh, I can, but obviously there. I aside from the things that I've mentioned <clears throat> of Moonlight, obviously there were there was the um, the whole um, parental issue growing up without a father a father figure. Um, Growing up in an area like he grew up in, um, and seeing your your mom do these things and uh, taking drugs and 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 doing whatever have you, um, this is stuff that we know happens, which made it even more important that it won an Oscar and that stuff like this is being recognised, but it's been going on for years. The You've just highlighted um, a reason the Oscars are good because if someone win, someone wins an Oscar, then that's yeah. the Academy and the media recognizing um, a piece of film that is a reflection of uh, of something in society. Absolutely, I agree of, with the state of an area of society. Yeah, so it's the show itself that I don't agree with. You're glorifying. <laughs> Does that make sense? I don't. I don't particularly care for. The amount of money they pump into this bullshit, right? And invite all these people who, who you know, who, who, yes, admittedly they'll they'll make they make good art and they make good entertainment, but you know, we already celebrate them. So why do we need to celebrate them even further? To see what I mean, the awards themselves should be the importance, not the show. I hate. Okay. I hate because it, if you think about everything that's attached to it, you know the. Uh, this whole the old the old red carpet bullshit and that's what it's ultimately about now it's about how people are looking and it's about appearance and it's about how people are perceived rather than celebrating the art itself and it was a speech that people have have given in the past um uh, who who gave that speech viola davis said yeah and, then the, and who else gave the speech uh golden globes we talked about this last podcast shit who was it was it, it wasn't helen Mirren, was it uh, but she did the anti-Trump thing. Yeah, her, and then she even said something about the art, and it sh- should be about celebrating the art and all this other kind of other stuff. But yeah, I'd, it's the show. I don't agree with the show and the theatrics of, of around it. That's what I don't agree with. Okay, it'd be but, worth doing a write-up on that, probably. Yeah, and I can respect the awards that are given. Okay. Cool. Logan. Oh my god, Logan. Oh, Logan. Oh, my God, Logan. Oh, Logan. Okay. Um, it wasn't as emotional as I thought it was going to be. Well, again, not even that. 
I felt like I didn't have ultimate closure. Um, so some people haven't seen Old Man Logan. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to not. Because it's fairly new. Yeah. So let's, yeah. So I felt like I didn't have the closure that I felt I needed. Um, this dude's been playing Wolverine for what? You said 18 years, right? 18, I know, long time. Eight years, 18. There's some cool animations online. 2003. Merging. 2003. Shit, yeah. 18 years. 2001, one of those. Yeah, so it's a long time to play one character. Um, and so I felt like at the end of this, I don't know if I had my closure, but there was a good sense of passing the torch, if you will. Um, yeah. Why don't you talk to us about the subtext stuff? <laughs> okay. Uh, subtext stuff. Would you say it was a good film? Mm-hmm. Would you say it was a good X-Men film? It wasn't an X-Men film though. Ah, Okay. So would you say it was just a good film in its own right? Yes. Why? It was a good... um, What do you talk? I'm trying to process my thoughts. I'm trying to... I know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to... Cool. To me, it was... It was like... Uh, mixed feelings in the beginning because it was like, oh, let's just make an old Western. Let's do the future. And the future is always a dystopian future that's somehow representative of what America thinks is great, which is the old West. That's why, I mean, the mythology of the old West is embedded so deeply into the American psyche that um, that's sociologists believe that that's one of the reasons they have a problem with gun control and they can't make laws because you're taking away the, you know, some of their, their history there. Um, if you take the guns away, et cetera, et cetera, it's just, it's kind of annoying. So this was a little bit like a, a Western, but with mutants and characters. So the fact that had mutants in it, what they were pre-baked, uh, and the characters were pre-baked cause you know who they are. Yeah, so there's no there's no need to. In fact, they can play with the characters a little bit. So the demented, the dementia that was impacting um, Charles Xavier was 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 really fun to watch because mm. <laughs> uh, he he could experiment with not being himself. Yeah. Um. So that was good. It turned out to be a good thing. Uh, I think as it went on, um, I realised that they were playing with something very different because the Reavers weren't their own force; that they had taken uh, uh, bits of today's society and made the reavers this hunting force this force of of um private military basically that was hunting people that they're called mutants and amusingly the mutants were slight spoiler but it won't kill the film for you children in mexico Hmm. and children who were mutants and and being hunted and they wanted to either make their own mutants or make use of them or not have them in society. And people believe that mutants no longer exist. That This is an interesting story. What it was echoing to me, especially with the fact that we were talking about children, is the amazing timing that's worked out well for them. Because we've got news stories where the alt-right, your people, <laughs> are referring to transsexual uh, kids in schools as mutants. I've actually got a quote. 
um, there's loads of quotes. One of the quotes I've got some notes on that thing. It says, um, this is, I mean, this is taken from, um, a longer podcast, which is one of my favorite data science podcasts called partially derivative. Uh, it's episode season two, episode 14. Uh, it talks about is the model racist, and, and it's it's the, uh, one of the data scientists created a um, semantic uh, analysis engine that was trying to take um, far right political uh, content um, in, analyze it, and then go out and identify the tweets uh, and social media posts from people who were speaking in this way. So that he could see how far right some people were and how, and the stuff that was coming out of it was just offensive and violent and it was horrible. And one of the things that came out of it was um, a common phrase where they're saying, um, quote, transgender mutants invade the bathrooms of our kids. This, this was a tweet by someone, um, one of these uh, new alt-right American um, people uh, he was getting he was getting all sorts of tweets calling him a race tra- traitor and all sorts of things because he's white himself um and he said i don't mind i was ready for all that and i was i was ready was to take alex it. jones or something no his name's jonathan morgan i think oh, okay um but it was it, it's quite a shocking episode we're gonna put the link in the, the show notes so have a listen to that episode i mean it, it's a it's a data science podcast if you're not into that, that kind of stuff ignore the day all the data science stuff the rest of that episode is worth listening to because it's an exploration of of what's going out there right now that that i feel like i'm in a bubble because i don't i don't experience some of this stuff i don't meet people that are that extreme anymore but the language that's being used is actually the language that was in logan that there's a bunch of people that see themselves as normalists and they hold the incumbent power and they're hunting people that are different. And it's very reflective of today's societal attacks on Jews and Muslims and the trans toilet issue that I keep calling. So yes, it was, uh, to me, there was um, accidental subtext that pointed at these other things that are going on that are just uh, quite infuriating. <laughs> Um, there's also some weird themes in there. There was a theme around acceptance of our nature versus um, the ability to change. Um, I wasn't quite sure about that because there was an element of we are our nature and we can't change. And there was a mess. There's almost like a message there that I didn't agree with, but it's, it's interesting. It's there. It's um, it's all the way through the film from when she's watching the girls watching cowboy stuff at the beginning, right the way through to the end. And I love the fact that Zander's henchman was called Donald. <laughs> so yeah, there was a lot of, sort of analogies to today's America in there. And and the violence suited that. I think the violence was so necessary in this film. Um, it wouldn't have worked in earlier films. It would have ruined them. But in this film, it was perfect. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Um, on another level, it's also the, uh, the second, only the second R-rated X-Men franchise R-rated film. Yeah. Which made all this stuff even better because 
they were able to do things that they weren't, they couldn't say or do in the previous X-Men films. Yeah, that was so good. Um, which was just perfect. Um, there was, there was a lot of laugh out loud moments because of they, they stretched the relationship so far. It yes. Was really very cool film. I'm actually going to go to the cinema again and watch it. If I can catch it, I need to watch it again. It's, it's good. I think we haven't given too much away. No, we didn't give it away. You said there's a new X-Men film in production. Absolutely. There is. Um, so uh, of that course, what that what you're looking at creating an Instagram. Oh, um, so I think what's interesting here is I'm interested to see how they're going to, if they're going to, um, how it's going, if the current X-Men films are going to run into Logan at some point as in the, the Logan film. Um, but they keep fucking with the timeline, don't they? Well, this is one thing I was reading. And the last film <clears throat> was Apocalypse. Um, but the one before that was Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past was the one where they wiped one... Nope, where they wiped out The Last Stand, the film The Last Stand. Um, so they've rewritten over that, that timeline. Yeah. And so in, you've seen Apocalypse, haven't you? Yes. So in X-Men Apocalypse, was it X-Men Apocalypse? Where we, we do see Logan, right? I can't remember. Yes, it is. Yeah, we see, we see Wolverine. Um, this was in the, or was in the 80s, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he's in the cage thing and we see him for the first, uh, for the first time in, when he, or second time, whatever, in these yeah. films. Um, but that was the last time we would see him in one of these films. The next film is going to be based in the 90s and it's going to be called Teen Spirit or something. Um, Nirvana's Small Teen Spirit. Okay. Um, but I'm interested in seeing how or if they're going to mention or include Logan in these films. I mean, um, I want to know if they do a proper handover and we have X-23 in these new films. Well, That's what the, we need. Well, I think that they're working towards that because X-23 is in development she was amazing. Yeah. Um, but, um, what's her name? X-23. Yeah. As in, in the film? No. Uh, the actress's name? Yes. I don't know. Okay. Um, find out. Um, but in other X-Men news as well, they're creating an X-Force film. Daphne Keene. Daphne Keene, that's right. Uh, X-Force. X-Force contains... I'm not hugely familiar with X-Force, but I know Deadpool and Cable are in there. Do you know much about X-Force? No, no. no. Next Deadpool film is in production also. You've, have you seen the teaser? Someone at work told me about this. I haven't seen it yet. I will. Okay. It's funny. I'm looking forward to it. It's like it. three minutes long. It's definitely worth it. Um, but Cable will be in the next Deadpool film. Okay, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm interested to see how they're going to link everything together. Uh, but I was reading this thing uh, about how Hugh Jackman, uh, if they do, there was an if, if they do cast Wolverine again, Hugh Jackman will be, uh, will have a say in who they cast. Aww. So I'm intrigued. I wonder how they're going to do that. Because you can't, how do you cast someone who doesn't age yeah. in the films? <clears throat> well, I mean, you know, in the universe. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. All right, okay. 
Let's go back to Oscars films for a second. Yep. <clears throat> what I did, would I went and looked at the... I'm a fan of animated films, as you could probably tell from having watched Kubo and Zootopia and Moana and all of the Rebels and Clone Wars things. I, I, I've always loved animation, and I think animation is a fantastic uh, storytelling medium is often seen as something for children in Western culture, which I find very strange because it's not, it's just animation is just animation. A lot of children's stuff is made using animation, but that doesn't mean it's for children, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of rejection. A lot of adults I meet are like, yeah, there's not into those kind of films. Speaking of Disney films, it's just something, just a thought, a passing thought that I had. I wasn't speaking of Disney films, but yeah, go. Anyway, Trump. <laughs> I'm before a discussion or a podcast that we have in the future. Yes, that we can talk about, but um, Disney films that don't educate kids in life. Huh? You know, you've got films like. Um, the Little Mermaid and all the other films that teach kids that it's not okay to look different or it's not okay to be different. I think there's an interesting discussion around that. Okay. And how that's changed over time from where we were, say we're looking at Beauty and the Beast or we're looking at, you know, Cinderella and all this sort of stuff. When we take it up to Toy Story, I think there's an interesting discussion in that self. Like, do you, do you know what I mean? Like where we are and where we were. What, the army of white princesses? Yes. Yeah. And then the one black princess. Well, Moana changes everything. So, we let, yeah, I think that would be a future episode. That's a good idea. Cool. Um, okay, animated films in the Oscars. There are some cool films that were nominated. There was one called Borrowed Time, uh, which is a great animated short about themes of movies, regrets, and uh, tokens that become uh, uh, symbolic in our life. Uh, highly recommend that. Um, there was a, uh, an abstract impressionist animated, uh, film, short film called blind Vaisha. Interesting. What was that about? Uh, it's about a girl that sees the future with one eye and the past with another eye. And she can't see the present, which, and, and this is why I love animation because Deep. You could only do stuff like that with animation. It would be so ridiculously expensive um, and probably wouldn't even come out properly if you did it with film. But with animation, you could abstract things and you could do things in a wonderful way. Um, there was a, quite a long short animation called Pear Cider and Cigarettes. Um, it, it's like a dark memoir about a guy talking about a friend of his called Techno, who's, uh, who is almost a victim of life who has so much potential, but it becomes a victim of life. And, it, and it's, um, it's a little film about techno's life. I don't want to give anything away, but it's a, it's a cool animation. Uh, remind you of things like animated animation style may remind you of things like, um, graphic novels and cowboy bebop. If anyone remembers that, how did you watch these films? That sounds like an off air conversation. <laughs> because <laughs> no, I find sometimes these films are on Vimeo I'm not sure if you they're really hard to get hold of okay. yeah. uh, and if you watch them on Vimeo you have to make sure that you watch a good quality copy um, 
They usually sometimes says they've actually uploaded them from the original creator. Yeah, some of them are available easily. Some of them are quite difficult to find. Uh, Piper One, which is a photorealistic animation from Pixar, and and I don't agree with this. Um, it is amazing. It's photorealistic like you've never seen before. It's a bunch of cute birds on a beach with waves going in and out. And there's one is a little chick bird trying to, and a mother bird. And they're trying to teach the chick how to eat. And it's a little, it's got themes of taking on life and losing against life and learning and overcoming and stuff. And it's, and it's quite cool to um, watch, but I don't fully understand why it won because my favorite was um, a polygon abstract montage film, uh, animated film called Pearl. Uh, and it had themes and motifs of memories, maturing, belonging, heart, home, and soul. I've written in my notes. Um, and the meaning and memory of things that are things that mean home to us. Um, and uh, a pearl was the most impactive to me. So if you get a chance to watch, uh, if, you, if you could only choose one or two or three that you could watch, I would watch Borrowed Time, Pearl, and Piper. Because uh, I think they were pretty amazing. I also watched some of the films that weren't nominated and they were pretty shit. So not much out there um, to choose from. But um, yeah, so I don't, don't, I don't agree with the winner, but, it, you know, it's still a good film. Yeah, I think it's Pixar. Political, political. I also watched Hacks. I saw Hacksaw Ridge and Hidden Figures and Fences. Hacksaw, Hacksaw Ridge is on my list of films to watch. Watch um, it. Watch it immediately. So, when I watched the trailer, yeah. Now, I understand that trailers are. I didn't want to watch it. I didn't want to even watch it as a film. Okay, tell me why before I make my, what I want to say. Mel Gibson. Okay, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. First thing, yeah. The second thing, it just looked like, oh, I got some money and I want to make a war film. I want to make a film about how America was great. War is bad, but America's great. That's we're exactly going to make America perception. great again. Oh, that's, that's your people. Um, <laughs> and I thought, oh, fuck, not another one of these. This is just stupid. And there are bits, elements of that, but it's not that. It's not that at all. And I had to get over the Mel Gibson thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an interview with Mel Gibson on Colbert on the late show. Mm-hmm. And he says something really annoying because I can't disagree with it, which he says that none of us should be judged by our worst moments. Mm. It's true. That is true. Um, And he just wants to be storytelling, but he's got his own view on things, which I don't agree with because, you know, he's very strange. He's become a very strange lad. Uh, He looks remarkably like my granddad in that interview. It's very (laughs) weird. It's a long, long, weird multicolored beard that he's got um and also i balanced that by going back and looking over a record of all the things that mel gibson said and you know what we're going to put a link to that i was going to read some of these things out but we're running short on time and um it is just gross and offensive stuff that he has said in fact he was seems to be reaching the peak of his um breakdown in 2006 um Ironically, the year that Desmond Dawes, the hero of Hacksaw Ridge, uh, the year that Desmond Dawes died. Desmond Dawes. Desmond Doss. 
Well, it's confusing because they have really twangy accent and they, they call him Desmond Dars. Um, Andrew Garfield, Hugo Weaving, Vince Vaughn, Sam Worthington. These guys played this film. They did, owned this film. Sam Worthington. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting because... Not you know, a deep some, role. But did it, was he good? It was all right. His accent is weird. Oh, yeah. Because... Uh, the thing I remember Sam Worthington from, I'm sure you remember him from, was Avatar. <laughs> yes. Um, and I didn't rate much of his performance, but it's interesting to see that he's obviously evolved from that. Well, not much. Okay. But he's worth watching. Vince okay. Vaughn is a legend. Yes, that I'm interested to see. I mean, after True Lies, I thought, okay, Vince Vaughn is something else. True Lies was amazing. And that's Vince Vaughn's best thing for me. He carries over some of that into this. Mm. And there's lots of comedy because it's Vince Vaughn. Mm. But it has such a dark and threatening undertone to the uh, subtext to his comedy mm. that you, you sort of you feel like, wow, where, where did this come from? How did he become this person? Because mm. he was just this, used to goof around in all those comedy films. Yeah, Hugo Weaving is amazing. I'm a fan of Hugo Weaving. Yes. Red Skull. Mr. Weaving. Red, Red Skull. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Garfield. Yeah, man. Andrew Garfield. When I first saw the trailer, <laughs> my perception was exactly what you said was that it was basically a pro-America film. Let's make a film for the Americans in a time where... And, and, and don't think that it's not that because there is lots of that and there is lots of one-sided storytelling yes. here yeah and that's how i saw it and that's the trailer i saw was i i don't know if this, ain't of this, no, this ain't no iwo jima yeah I don't, I don't know if a lot of this shit happened but if it did hey great cool no worries but yeah i'm i'm definitely interested because ever since spider-man you know andrew Garfield is it's one of my favorite performers he's brilliant in pretty much everything he does and when I saw the trailer for this, I was like, okay, I have to watch this one because oh, so good. he's not just Spider-Man. Not at all. Not at all. Editing, sound mixing, visual effects. This film is full on. Uh, and everyone should watch it. I, I, I don't know how he's done this. It's so good. Mel Gibson suddenly feels like a filmmaker again. Not just, not just this weird. Burke. Yeah. Uh, Okay, what else? Hidden figures. Okay, we've got a we're, bit of time. Where are we at for time? We're, sorry? Where are we at? Time we are at... Let's have a look. So, hidden figures. Yep. Do you know what it's about? Uh, is it to do with NASA and the ladies who made space program possible or something like that mixed feelings i'm gonna talk about fences first yep fences is like a play it's by is it august wilson or someone this mm -hmm. guy that makes plays is it is that right what's his name who's the playwright i don't know but i know it's based on a play that fences is based on a play isn't it hidden figures what yeah. else is based yeah on it is a play yeah yeah august wilson wow how am i remembering this August Wilson writes amazing plays. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning author and he has got a whole series of plays that are demonstrative of um, 
black culture and the history of blacks in America and what it's been like growing up. And you will relate to this as an Asian, as a, as a fellow BAME. A BAME. Fellow BAME. What's a BAME? BAME is the UK term for black, Asian, minority, ethnic people. Yes. Basically non-white, even though okay. technically Polish, Welsh, Scottish and Irish people could be minority ethnic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, you know, I, I don't think they need to figure that one out yet. Still. <laughs> anyway, fellow BAME. Yep. <laughs> this is cool because we grew up in this weird culture and we grew up thinking, um, oh, our parents had it tough and we've got it easy, mm. but we still grew up with hangups of our parents fears that are pushed onto us. Our parents have beliefs and fears from their experiences in life and they push that onto us. And we live in this surreal world where we deal with that world and that view that's pressed upon us and the actual world. And we're trying to mix those together. So as the children of British Asian immigrants, there is a lot to relate back to this film, but I think it also, it's also a nice way for people that can't relate to that. Um, especially, um, sort of people in America, white people in America Mm. who don't think of, um, the life that may be happening to the guy that is basically the black dustman that collects their garbage. So this is a very interesting exploration of the, the, the difficult psychological challenges that, uh, younger generations have when they grow up with this societal mess of, of a generation that didn't have the opportunities that we now have today. Me and me and you, me and you and you. Uh, so yeah. Um, can, we go, can we go back to the set? I know we've been talking about hot hip hop before, but I've been listening to a lot more hip hop. If you want to see, if you want to see the challenges of black culture, you want to watch a film like fences. If you want to take a sugar pill and look at it from, uh, a non-offensive perspective, watch Hidden Figures, which annoyed me. Interesting. Got okay. hip-hop. I've listened to a lot more hip-hop recently um, by black artists, mind you. Are you... Why? I'm defending myself from last month. <laughs> Jesus. Fucking jazz music. Okay. Stop listening to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and there's a particular artist I was listening to um, I'm not sure if you've heard of him. His name is Raz Simone. No. Um, but now I, I listen to this guy and I hear him talking about things like how he has to sell drugs because, because he needs the money to get by. He doesn't take the drugs, but he sells them. Okay. This, this ties into hidden figures. So let's go this. So this is interesting to me. So I know you would, when we first started talking about hip hop some time ago, I can't watch it. We were going home and you were talking about long live the chief. I know it was, it was something else. And they were talking, it was some of this um, stuff that I thought was just straight up gangster. Didn't mean anything. And you said, hold on a second. A lot of it is. Yeah. But you, you, you played a specific song. I can't remember for the life of me what it was, but it was, okay. it was something. And then you said, listen to the lyrics here it might sound like it's just gangster and all this bullshit, but listen to what he's really saying. And I'm starting to see things from that perspective, how they're not just rapping about bitches and the hose and, and guns and shit like that. They're talking about things that are really important. And they are talking about the struggles and the things 
that they have to do just to get by. And that really stuck with me. And that's how I'm starting to see things is that, yeah, they might be talking about guns and yeah, they might be talking about this and this and this and that, but they're talking about it because it's the life that they're living and there's no getting away from it. So I want to know, I wanted to know what it, what, I know there's obviously artists that don't talk about that stuff or maybe they do and I don't know how it kind of goes by, but I want, I'm not sure about the struggle that that there is. Okay, okay, let's, let's do this, let's do this. Uh, so Hidden Figures is a, is a very light touch approach to that struggle which is experienced by many people, both men and women, that are not white, both in America and the UK. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to go to an article by The New Yorker about Hidden Figures. And I'm going to, we'll put it in the show notes and I'm going to zoom right down to the bottom and read you something because it's better coming from uh, Richard Brody of the, of the New Yorker than from me. I'm now just clicking on all sorts of things, which is not what I intended. Um, and let's see what he says. Right, so in, in, in the conclusion of this article, and there's, there's more to it, and it's probably worth reading the rest of it, he says, what the women at the centre of Hidden Figures lived through in their youth, in the deep age of Jim Crow, um, and later at the time of protest and legal change, remains unspoken. Uh, do you know what I mean by, what, what he means by the deep age of Jim Crow? Because Americans will know what that means, but UK people may not, may not. No, I'm not. So the, the Jim Crow was a nickname given to the uh, populist um, far-right legislation that caused segregation in states like Virginia, where this takes place, of blacks and whites. So you had blacks at the back of the bus, coloured bathrooms in this wing in this building, and white bathrooms over in that wing in that building. Um, and th- I mean, there's some infuriating scenes in this in this film where she goes and has coffee because there's one coffee pot, and the next day she comes in and someone's made a tiny little coloured coffee pot it says coloured on it and that was the reality that was their reality um and what watching this i was watching this with someone and i said um obviously there's, there's feelings of outrage when you're watching these things it doesn't matter what your personal um circumstances are whether you're brown black white whatever i think the outrage is misplaced because of course we can look back and be outraged but what we should be doing is looking forward and saying, what is the next generation going to be outraged about when they look at us? What are we doing wrong? What are we not getting right? Which is a diff- more difficult thing to do. So to carry on with his article, uh, their wisdom and insight remain unexpressed. For all the emotional power and historical redress of the film, above all, in the simple recognition of the centrality of its three protagonists in a modern world, it pushes to the fore moderation based solely on personal accomplishments in pursuit of justice. This is different from the civil rights goal of a universal equality based on humanity alone, extended to the ordinary as well as to the exceptional. This is by no means a complaint about the real-life people on whom the movie is based. It is purely a matter of aesthetics. A result of decisions by the director and screenwriter, Theodore Melfi and his co-writer Alison Schroeder, about who they um, imagined and about how, sorry, how they did manage and develop the characters. Um, and, and the article goes on. But the, and, and that's what I mean by light touch. There's, the, there's lots of things in this film that it, it's not, that are not explored. So it becomes inoffensive um, 
not offensive if you're, say it was your grandparents that were there. You feel like, oh yeah, well they were stupid in those days. They didn't understand, well, they're not enlightened like us. Well, I want to cover some things. Um, some examples, and we can decide if we've become enlightened or not. So the first thing worth covering is um, an article by uh, the BBC podcast, more or less, which has a brief podcast episode called Hidden Figures, The Real Story. This will go into a bit more detail without too many spoilers. There's not many spoilers here because we all know what the story is. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that's worth looking at. Now, if I just run backwards through these, the Huffington Post had an interesting article that was talking about, and, and I want to, I want to highlight the fact that we watched this film and at the end of this film, you're like, yeah, they've torn down the signs. Like you see in the trailer, no spoilers there. And now we're all working together. Blacks and whites. We're going to be together. We're going to be equal. And we're going to get to the moon as one people. Yeah. <clears throat> So we're going to link to an article that says that the racial wage gap between black and white workers is getting worse and it's now worse than it was in 1979. Um, what's the date of this article? Oh, September 2016. Um, there's lots of other pieces of evidence for anyone that wants to actually argue against what we're saying here. No problem in doing that, but just read these articles. There's a Force of Society report about um, huge gender uh, pay, pay gaps both over here and over there. The uh, last year, the um, the TUC in this country uh, reported that black workers with degrees earn a quarter less than their white counterparts, which is ridiculous. The pay gap gets bigger as you become more educated in this country now, in this day and age. So how far have we really come? When you watch this film, what you forget what what is what is not mentioned what is not what is not in the aftermath portion of the film which is where it should be is the pay equality laws are dated 1970 in this country that's only 5 years before i was born we are the first generation of people that are being paid quotes equally with um i mean we're not but we're supposed to be um i've i've linked to uh, an econ talk uh, which is an economics podcast, which is great. And they've got uh, a, a great uh, episode there on the history of how this kind of thinking evolved as an economic tool. People weren't just racist for no reason. This was done with purpose. Racism was evolved with purpose so that the view that the Southern, Southern Americans have um, and the segregation that happened afterwards was there because there was an economic benefit from maintaining that state. Um, here's a question and sorry yeah quickly to finish yeah. uh, and there's more and we'll put loads of links in and you can go and look at it there's gender pay reporting there's uh, BAME pay, pay reporting and there was another report about how uh, public leaders in this country are underpaid if they're from our BAME backgrounds and also the 96% of people that work in the civil service the leaders are all white but that's not representative of of, of their constituencies and where they work and how, what they're doing um, it's disproportionate. Yeah. Some people would say, and I've had the opposite argument at, at places I've been to and talked to people who say, well, it should be a meritocracy and it should be based on 
you know, who's the best for the job. But that's bollocks, because if you look backwards in time and you look at the current state, what you're saying is, well, if we had a meritocracy, it suggests that white people are better at all these jobs than people from other backgrounds, which can't be right. You might disagree because you're part of the alt-right crew. What do you think? Do you people disagree? I'm just going to stop defending myself from now on. I'm just going to even going to just let you say what you're saying and just accept that I am outright, you know? Okay. I actually really forgot what I was going to say. I was going to be really good as well. Fuck. It was going to be so good. Damn it. I think it's important to have this mindset when you watch Hidden Figures. Yeah. So what I'm getting from this is that Hidden Figures and Fences are two very different films Whereas Hidden Figures addresses things that are happening in general society, right? Happened, Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. Happened? Happens? Well, they still happen. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the film pretends that uh, Kevin, yeah, yeah, Costner, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Costner fixed them all. Yes. Is the conclusion of the film. Of course. Yeah. Um, whereas Fences looks at things that are happening within the black community. Is that right? Um, Fences looks at um, is a, yet another view mm. on um, black culture mm. in America's history yes. and what it's been like for people growing up inside inside black culture because mm. that's a, that's a different that's a different world. Mm. We know this because we we have a this whole other Asian world in our mm. life. Mm. Yes. Have you seen the trailer for Get Out? No. Yeah, I've seen the trailer. That was weird. That was very weird. Yeah. Um, I was watching an interview with... Um, okay, okay, okay. What's his name? To do the director. Jordan. Jordan Peele. Okay. Um, of the Key and P fame. Key and Peele, even. Jordan Peele. Who was talking about the marketing of the trailer. Okay. He says, don't believe it. He says, you have to watch the film to truly understand what it's about. That's good. Um, I like that. Because of obviously, they obviously show what they need to show for marketing and all that stuff. But he said there's a really big twist at the end. Um, but I want to watch this film. I want to watch this film because it's a very different film to what we're used to. Have you seen Black Mirror? No. Oh. So the dude who stars in this film, um, the girl's girl, a boyfriend, is in a Black Mirror episode, which is really interesting. Which is interesting because it's nice seeing him or this kind of thing transition into something big. And I haven't seen, there wasn't any big big names in that film either, which again was interesting to see the marketing that it was getting. When you haven't got anybody recognizable in a film, how do you market something like that? Um, but the concept of this film in general is what I'm interested about. Because I feel like there are probably people in this world who do feel the way the dude felt, you know, going into a family, whether it is, you know, uh, a white dude going into an Indian family or a, um, a black person going into a white family. This is probably the feelings that they feel going into the family. Like <laughs> shit, what if they just murder me right there? And then what if th it's going to be an interesting look, um, a twisted look of how people are feeling going into these, progressively more interracial kind of relationships. Um, 
so I think it's going to be a good film. <laughs> cool. Yeah. You've got Garinda Chadda here. Again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Viceroy's house. I'm wondering if she's going to cover the story well. Um, I've read some things. I'm excited about watching it next week. Is it this Tuesday? I think so. Hey. Um, yeah, it is. Is it? Okay. Uh, so we'll go and watch it, yeah? Yes. Sure. There's a book called... Um, I should put a link to it. The Shadows of the Great Game. Untold story of India's part, India's partition by Narendra Singh Sarila. This is a big ass book. I've not read it. And it's expensive. It's like 400 pages and it's 60 quid, which is ridiculous. Um, because knowledge shouldn't have those kind of financial barriers. Um, yeah. He reckons, and I, I'm, I've yet to see more paperwork about this. 1997, there were some documents that were declassified and put in the British Library, and they were about the discussions that had been had um, with and around Lord Mountbatten, last Viceroy of India, um, about how the British needed to maintain control of Karachi, and therefore an Indian-Russian alliance wouldn't work, and therefore there needed to be conflict along that border, and the solution would be to create um, a separate state. And the driver for that was that it would be a Muslim state. We should become Pakistan. Now, it's interesting. It's the first time I've seen this kind of paperwork discussed. Because when you talk to people who are there, like I've mentioned before, we have lots of family, <laughs> some of which some of which were there because they're old and they remember things from when they were kids. And, and lots of stories uh, with family, family and relatives that confirm all of these things. We know because it's passed down to us through um, the stories that come to us from our elders that that's what happened. But it's never been admitted openly. And so these papers fascinate me that, that, that what we've always been told was reality that this partition was engineered for political reasons and to this day is a problem and has become the hotbed and incubation point for terrorists that are now going all over the world and has led to things like, you know, and I'm not going to go into a whole 9-11 debate, but, but yeah, uh, terrorist attacks in all over the world and the strange, difficult situations we have. And all of that stuff seems to have become for coming from this one incubation point in Afghanistan and Pakistan. I think the difficult thing here is this kind of might be going over from this, the topic of the film. What, what I'm saying is I want, I want to see that she represents that in this film. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. But yeah, go on. What I think is interesting here is that it's unfortunate for the Muslim community around the world that these few people are representing a claim. They're representing Muslims. Um, and it's what people see. There are people that we spoke briefly about this in the last podcast in within, you know, the Indian community who label all Muslims as terrorists. And because of these things, they are automatic. Well, half, the, half the American press does it as well. The what? Half the American press. Yes. And occasionally the president. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Does yeah. it as well. 
Well, exactly. And but, but I think the point is where, when do we, or where, at which, at which point do people start seeing, or do we start seeing as a society, like where, that these guys aren't, they're all terrorists. At what point do we stop labeling them? I don't, I don't know what you mean by we. As a society. You mean you, all right people? Yeah, that's what I mean. You and your people? Me and my people. Me and my racist friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, boom. Okay. Um, no, seriously though. I don't know what you mean by we, because we aren't doing it. No, no, and as a, not, I don't mean me and you, but as a society, because we're all kind of responsible for that. We are, but it's, it's, this kind of stuff is systemic. When you have um, people that commit a crime who are fundamental Christians, like the guy in Norway, was it? Brevik. Mm. They are not called Christian fundamentalist terrorists. They are called terrorists that believed in some weird thing. The labeling is different. The labeling is different. It's, it's systemic and it's institutional how um, people who are terrorists from a Muslim background are portrayed and labeled. And it's different from people from other backgrounds. There, there's something there that needs to change. And that's a difficult change to make. And it's a responsibility that I would say the press has. Mm. Um, but, it, you know, it also needs to be a change of content online. That's what I was going to say before. So, how do you make, so I'm going to, you know, use this issue as, as a basis. How do you start making a change? So, you know, when people complain or when people feel upset, if I'm going to use, a, you know, a third world country, so when people start feeling upset and... Uh, and Developing country. Developing country, sorry. <laughs> stop feeling upset. Why is you, you, you all right? People are just just always have something negative. To, I don't know, man. Negative way. I don't of know how to be them. PC. <laughs> well, don't be PC. Just be normal. <laughs> being PC is not being uh... India is. <laughs> that was an interesting sound. India has the same level. How do, how do we yeah. make a change? Do we make a do we make a change by talking about it? Does, by us talking about it, are we contributing to making a change, or do we have to actively get up and do something about it? How does how does that work? How do we even make a change? Comes back to hidden figures stuff I was talking about. That the stuff I'm talking about there shows you that these pay gaps for people from black and Asian minority ethnic backgrounds and for women. I mean, we don't even want to pay women equally in 2017. On April the 6th of this year, the law changes and companies that employ more than 250 people yeah, are required to publish their average pay and bonuses for each gender. That, to me, is a good thing, I think. It's a bit of extra regulation. It's not too offensive and it shouldn't be a problem for anyone. But it's about as effective as Kevin Costner smashing the sign off the toilet 
It's a great visual symbolic moment, but it doesn't make any fucking difference to anyone because this is psychologically embedded in there's a state of mind that you're fighting. And yes, to answer your question, yes, we people have to get up and make an active change um, to address these issues, which is rare. Doesn't happen. Or it happens wrong and it just offends everyone. So yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot, uh, so I think coming back to the Oscars, not really bothered about all the other shit that went on because these films all got highlighted and they are all great films. Yeah. And if that's what it takes to get those films rammed down people's throats so that the, maybe there's a chance that some people will start changing their thinking about certain things, then so be it. I don't know which point to mention next. Um... <laughs> What, what do you mean by dumbed down TV? Oh, no, that was to do with the... Um, uh, we can come back to that in another episode. Cause... Um, do you want to talk about women in film? Mm. No, we can come back to that one as well. Cool. Uh, a new name you've got here. Yeah, I don't know if we want to talk about that on, online or we want to talk about another video. Video. Okay. Um, Iron Fist. I sent you a link yesterday, right? Um, you did? Yeah. On? Uh, Hangouts. Um... And it was for the bad reviews for Iron Fist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you see this? I did not. Did you see what percent it got? 70 something? Nope. Seven. Iron Fist got 7%. Nah, that was just rogue reviews. Let's have a look. It's now 9%. Rotten Tomatoes. It's been... It's been slated. Completely be slated. By... A bunch of outlets. Hang on. By who? Many, many people. They're saying it's the the least the least interesting part of the defenders. Oh, okay. This is not good. No. Not good at all. Um It's a shame. Damn, that looks painful. Yeah, it's uh it's the first one that's been completely penned. Okay. Well, we're going to have to wait till next Friday to find out. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to have to call it a wrap there before our episode becomes super long. Stall them. Stall them? Why, where are you going? Find my thing again. Find your thing. My sign off. <laughs> picks. Have you got any picks? Uh, my pick is... No TV. Not having TV has been great. I've had so much more reading done. I'm reading something called The Phoenix Project right now, which is sounds weird. It's like a technical operations book, but it's actually an interesting book if you're anywhere near technical operations. Um, I found a little backup app, which I'm finding very useful, called Arc Backup, A-R-Q, Arc Backup, uh, which can take all of your content and shove it onto any cloud service like Amazon Cloud, Dropbox, even S3. Are you selling this? I'm not. It's, and are not we sponsored by this? Is, you, is this no. a sponsor that you're not telling me about? I wish it was. It, it is so cool. It backs up all of your stuff from each I of your I feel like you're getting money from this and you're not telling me. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Is, so, this, is this your new job? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, Yes, uh, I picked Logan because I'm going to watch that again. 
you got any things you'll pick for this this month? Picks this month. Um, anything anything that stood out and you thought, yeah, this is this is worth a mention. I've been playing Bioshock Infinite. Oh, I haven't played that. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant game. Um, it picks up from events that have actually happened in American history, but it turns it, it skews it into this surreal Bioshock-esque world. It's brilliant. Um, so you, you're playing on a floating city that uh, is called Columbia. Um, it's cool. It's really good. And then they, the gods of this place are the president's the old president. So George Washington is a god and Lincoln is a god and all this. It's, it's brilliant. It's cool. It's, um, I'll, it, they've ported it onto Xbox one now. It's an Xbox 360 game, but it's backwards compatible. So, um, I'll, I'll let you borrow it when I'm done. So I'm that just, sounds cool. Did you buy it? I had it from Xbox from, and you're playing it again, but on your Xbox one now, I didn't finish it. Okay. Yes. I'm finish. I'm finishing it. That sounds cool. So I started from the beginning, but no, it's, it's cool. Brilliant game. Um, Bioshock games freak me out, but um, this is a good game. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, um, if you like this, check us out on iTunes. Hit subscribe and add us to collection. We're also on SoundCloud now, so check us out on SoundCloud and listen to us on the go. We're both on Twitter as well, so you can find me at, at MovievilleKazid and Kushal at, at KushalJorsi. You can also find us on Instagram at, at MovievilleOrg. We're also on YouTube, link pending. So find us on YouTube and watch these fantastic videos that we're currently making. Um, that'll be it from us this week, month. We'll see you in four.